right, everybody. Welcome back to the Blazer Victory Podcast, where we are pleased to be joined by head coach Andy Kennedy. Coach, how are you doing this evening? Man, I'm doing terrific. How are you? Good, man. I know you're uh, excited to uh, get back on the hardwood to uh, get basketball going again. You know, I I was able to uh, go to Bartow and see the exhibition game that you guys had against AUM. And, you know, the, the team is looking really good, you know. Well, I am, I am excited to get started in earnest. We're honestly tired of every day. And as a coach, we're to the point in the season where we, we need to be tested against someone other than ourselves just to kind of see where we are. You know, the exhibition, we had a scrimmage against Auburn. We had an exhibition game against AUM. Those things are great, but they're really more practice-oriented than than, you know, worried about the final outcome. You're trying to to, to see a number of different players in different positions. Now, you know, starting Tuesday night, when this thing kicks in in earnest, uh, I'm anxious to see how we respond against true competition. Yes, no doubt. And that game is going to be Tuesday night at 6.30 as the Blazers take on UNC Asheville. Uh, so definitely excited to get that first real game of the season um, off and going. But, Coach, uh, before we start talking about the team, um, I-, I just wanted to talk about – just the great job that Sam Miller did on that revival promo video, man, that, that was probably one of the best hype videos that I've ever seen. Like, can you just talk about that? Like that, that had to have been cool, you know, filming that thing. Well, Sam is a stud, um, you know, he, and, and, uh, we've got a, a, a new person, Dustin in, in, in house that deals with, with media productions. And, uh, I, I think that it, it's a vital part of branding in this day and age, uh, when I first got the job, Sam did the initial video of, of the coming home theme, and um, I, I could see immediately, man, this guy is is uh, tremendous in his vision and his ability to put that vision into action. I actually had the the theme of revival. That was an idea that that I brought to him, saying each and every year, this is my 15th as a as a head coach, my my 25th in coaching overall. And every year, man, I, I have a theme for our team, and, and this year it was revival, and and by that I mean an awakening, and we wanna we wanna reignite Blazer basketball back to uh, the program that we all want to see it become. And last year was so unusual because of COVID. You know, it feels like this is my first year, quite honestly, because of everything last year was just so unusual. Uh, that, that we're excited about again having fans back in Bartow Arena. We're excited about the players that that we have on this roster, and I know they're focused on trying to take this program back to a a, a place of legitimacy on the national stage. Right, no doubt, and and that was actually going to be my next question. You know, last year was your first year um, as the head coach at UAB, and just how crazy of a you know first year that was. You know, you being thrown in and then having to recruit immediately. You know, through Zoom and just the conference schedule was weird. Like I hope, I hope to goodness we never have something like that again, where we have to play the same team the day, you know, Friday and then Saturday turn around and play that same team again. Can you just talk about how strange that was from a coach's perspective? Well, it was the most unusual year for really all of us. It doesn't really matter what you do for a living. It just so right. happens that I was a basketball coach. It, it was just so unusual on every front. The things that, Again, I, I have been, this is my 25th year in coaching, and the things that I had learned prior really didn't aid me very much in, in segueing into such a bizarre season uh, surrounded by COVID. So I, I, hats off to our guys. 
you know, I, I get this job. I don't even have the opportunity to meet with the returning players. Uh, then, you know, I, we're doing everything, you know, FaceTime or Zoom or texting or trying to build a relationship. Anytime there's a coaching change, that is that is very, very difficult for, for players to understand and to figure out, okay, what's going on and how does this affect me? So we were trying to bridge the gap during a very unusual time with, with not only the guys that were, that were planning on returning, but also the guys that we were trying to get in and, and, and help uh, elevate the program as it related to talent. So it was, it was a lot of blind faith, you know, watching a lot of video, trusting guys that, that we have relationships with in the industry. Our guys came and they put in the work. I thought they were, they were great in their approach to not only the coaching transition, but the unusual circumstances by which they had to monitor themselves, not only on the court, but off the court. And there was no reward, meaning there was nobody in the stands. You know, it, it, every game felt like practice. And then, uh, as you said, we had a couple of opportunities taken away from us ba- based on COVID. We had a, a home-and-home series set up with Georgia Tech. They were going to be in Bartow Arena, the first ACC opponent in here since Carolina in 2013, but it mm-hmm. went away because of COVID. We had an opportunity against a Kentucky team, and and uh, it, obviously going to Rupp is going to be next to impossible. However, last year would have been a pretty good year to play Kentucky. Uh, <laughs> yes. And, and, and we got that taken away. So there, was, there were a lot of different things that we couldn't control. What we could was uh, – you know, focusing on the things that we could control, trying to stay healthy and, and, and trying to elevate the program. I felt uh, despite it being a, a season in which it was very hard to gain momentum, I felt we did uh, accomplish that. We won 13 games, which was the most in Conference USA. And we were the only Conference USA team that played all 18 games. As you said, the format was bizarre, man, with the back-to-backs. <laughs> and uh, it's something that I certainly hope I never have to experience again. Yeah, and let's, let's knock on wood that that – doesn't happen again. Um, but it also just the transfer portal thing, you know, last year was kind of, I mean, the portal has always been there, but can you talk a little bit about, you know, on top of having to recruit through zoom and everything here, you, you know, you've got this transfer portal that, you, you know, you have to, you know, that all the coaches, you know, are having to deal with um, pretty much on a daily basis. Um, but, you know, fortunately you were able to take advantage of that transfer portal. And we've got several guys, you know, coming in, uh, with our first season with UAB this year that Blazer fans are definitely excited about seeing on the hardwood. Well, it's the new normal. You know, I, I think that, you know, you can, you can agree or disagree with it. And I certainly have my own personal views of it, but mm-hmm. it, it is the, it is the way of the world moving forward. I don't think we're ever putting the genie back in the bottle as it relates to this transfer issue. So you might as well learn to adapt to it. And that's what we tried to do last year. You know, it wasn't, automatically granted that kids would be immediately eligible. We felt like based on COVID and some of the other factors that we would have a chance through the appeal process, because obviously the NCAA did not want to harm the, the kids and their eligibility. But, but right. you know, for instance, we brought Trey Jimson here. We didn't know if he was going to be immediately eligible. We had to go through a waiver process. Um, you know, Quan Jackson and Mike Ertle were a little different because they were both post-grads. They had already graduated, so we knew once they had graduated, then they would be eligible to play immediately. Then this year, you know, everything changed around January, so we knew – um, going into the spring, last spring, that, uh, you know, if we got kids here that they were going to be immediately eligible, kids can do that one time in their four years of eligibility. So we brought in six, you know, all six of which played key roles in in their programs that they came from. We brought in three kids from the SEC and K.J. Buffin from Ole Miss, who I was obviously very familiar with, Jamal Johnson, 
a son of the the legend Buck Johnson, who was at Auburn prior prior to Auburn, was at Memphis with Tubby Smith. So Jamal has the opportunity to come home. Justin Brown from South uh, Florida is also a post grad, a kid that played his high school basketball with Jamal at Spain Park. And uh, then we went and got Jordan Walker. Um, Jelly, that's how everybody everybody will know that name. He's a he's a sensational player who started started his career at Seton Hall. Then he transferred to Tulane. He's he is a postgraduate as well with two years of eligibility. And then the last one we picked up was Josh LeBlanc, who started out at Georgetown. He was on the All Big East freshman team for Pat Ewing. Transferred, uh, played at LSU the last two seasons for Will Wade. He's a Baton Rouge native, and he comes in here with two years as well. So. Uh, we were, and then Tyreek LaCour from South Alabama. I don't want to leave anybody out. It's even hard to remember. Sometimes you have so many, yeah. uh, uh, but, but Tyreek LaCour is a guy that, that, you know, played over 30 minutes a game at South Alabama comes in here, dynamic guard. As you said, you were at the exhibition game and you could see a little bit of glimpse of all those guys and how they're able to, to impact, uh, our team in the upcoming season. Definitely. And, you know, one of the best things, Coach, that I think about or that came out of that exhibition was you got to play everybody. Literally everybody on the team got to get out there for a few minutes. That so. wasn't easy to do, and I, and that was the goal. <laughs> I was going to make that happen. Obviously, you you know, you want to win the game. You, you always want to win because you don't right. want to – I think we have created a, a, a bit of momentum in our time here, and we certainly don't want to be deflating and, and, and being disappointed in our performance. But uh, the ultimate goal for me was not to score. It was making sure that we got guys opportunities because the reality is when you get to the real games, which are coming here in a few days, it's impossible to play 14 guys. It's impossible to play 10 or 12 guys. It just is, unless you're going to platoon them, and I'm not going to do that. So uh, we've got to find a way. You know, you can you can usually keep eight, nine relatively satisfied. It's hard to get deeper than that. You might could stretch to 10 just based on unusual circumstances. And there's not a lot of separation between our guys. We know what we have in, in Taven Lovin. We know what we have in Trey Jemison and Mike Earle and Quan Jackson. Tony Tony has made huge strides in year two. Ron G. Gordon has taken a step in maturity and production in year two. But these new guys, there's not a, a great deal of separation. So we want to give everybody opportunities to earn their way into the rotation. Right, definitely. And, you know, sometimes, too, you know, when you have a bunch of transfers, you know, coming in, the more you can get those guys, you know, on the court to play together, the more they're able to gel, you know, and just get ready. So I definitely, you know, another point that I love that you were able to get everybody out on the court uh, against uh, AUM. But can you talk a little bit about uh, Trey Jemison uh, and how he's improved in year two? Number one, I love the kid. I, I jokingly say this, but I'm but I'm serious at the same time. He could one day, if he chooses, he could one day be the mayor of Birmingham. I really believe that. Engaging kid, smart kid, motor runs high, all about the team, great attitude. I I mean, I cannot I cannot uh, say enough about him as a person and as a young man. Uh, as a basketball player, last year you got to remember he, he barely played at Clemson. Uh, we come in and, and not only is he playing, but he's playing a pivotal role for us because after Trey, when Trey was not in the game via foul trouble, fatigue, what have you, we just had no physical presence at the basket. And, and the way that we defended last year, a lot of it was funneled in and Trey was kind of our, our eraser at the basket with his presence. And we weren't nearly as effective when he was not in the game. Those back-to-backs hurt him a little bit because he is a big guy. 
you know, six foot 11, 260 pounds, man, those back-to-backs take a toll on those big bodies. So uh, that was another reason that I was not as fun to, even though, again, we, we, we had the most conference sweeps with five of, uh, we, we swept five opponents, which is more so than any other conference USC team, and we had the most wins. I still was not fa- in favor of the format. But mm-hmm. um, Trey's a guy that, that uh, now has a better understanding of what it takes to be successful in his current role. Uh, he's much more confident going into his second year with us because now he has that game experience in the role that we need him to play. No doubt. And um, I mean, we, I know we talked about him a little earlier, but I definitely, you know, love what I saw out of KJ Buffin on the inside, you know, really physical presence to, you know, kind of go along right with Trey Jemison. Yeah, KJ's a kid that he didn't finish very well against AUM. It was one of the, the the teaching points that came out of that opportunity. But KJ is a very cerebral basketball player. May have the highest basketball IQ on our team. Can play multiple positions, offensively and defensively. And we can run offense through him. Which anytime you have a four man, and he'll play four, five, fours. He's a front court guy. They're kind of interchangeable in our system. But he's a guy that 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 can make good decisions with the basketball. I think he's a capable rebounder and he can defend any position on the court. And he has a good, again, a good understanding of when you have so many new guys, you need somebody that understands there's going to be a little bit of chaos. You know, you got to get comfortable in chaos. That's a, it's a term we use quite often in basketball because basketball is chaotic and you've got to have somebody that has an understanding of settling guys down and making sure they're in the right position. And KJ's a guy we'll be dependent upon in that, in that regard. Definitely. And I also, you know, really liked what I saw out of Jordan Walker in that exhibition, too. He just the way he passes the ball and he just he, it's honestly like he just knows where to go, like within a, a split second of where to put the ball and, you know, where the, the, the other guy is supposed to be. Like, I just love what I saw out of him out of the exhibition. He's a very fast player. He's a very determined player. Another guy who is who is very focused on. Uh, you know, trying to be the player that he feels he is capable of being in this opportunity. Uh, he's a guy that can that can shoot it from three, can go get it on his own off the bounce. He's he's good in the mid range. Uh, he can get to the free throw line. And as you said, I, I think his greatest value to our team is his ability to make the game easier for others. We didn't get a lot of easy baskets last year. Unless we turn people over in the open floor, we struggled at times in the half court. And I think Jordan is a guy that that's going to be able to help us uh, create some easier opportunities in our half-court offense. Right. Well, um, let's just talk a little bit about the season in general. It, you know, as we just mentioned, we uh, have a couple of games to start off the season in Bartow, you know, Tuesday night and next Friday night. And uh, let me Sunday. tell and, I, and not to interrupt you, John, but I, I want to tell, I want to, I want people that are going to listen to this, hopefully prior to, to those games, these are two very, very good opponents. Yeah. Uh, and, and I know they don't jump off the page and everybody rolls their eyes when I say that. Okay. Yeah. Coach UNC Asheville. UNC Asheville is, is a good basketball program that is returning five of their top six contributors from last year. They're as equally as old as we are. They've got a, a few super seniors on their team. They picked up some transfers. They got a Tennessee transfer. So the portal was good for them as well. And, and many people, I have seen a number of publications, all of which have us winning or coming in, you know, one, two in Conference USA. And all of them have UNC Asheville in that one, two slot in the Big South. So they're a mm-hmm. team that is very, very capable 
uh, and has the ability to knock down shots on the perimeter, which make the opposing coach, i.e. me, pretty nervous going into the game. But it'll be one of those that 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 will be a quality win if if we're fortunate enough to get it. And then you turn right by, right, right back around in 48 hours and you play a Moorhead State team that is returning the the preseason player of the year in the OVC and their team that won their conference last year and participated in the NCAA tournament. So two really quality mid-major opponents for us right out of the gate. Yes, no doubt. And guys, if you don't have your tickets, go ahead and go to uabsports.com or give a call to the ticket office at 205-975-8221 and get your tickets. And I would also encourage, if you can, get season tickets. I mean, they are very affordable. That's what I got. Um, so we definitely need we need we need Bartow rocking again. You know, it's, well, it's been a while. <laughs> well, well, John, you know, you know, we, I, we we had this we had an internal meeting not too long ago and I asked the question in the meeting. I said, OK, we're trying to get Bartow Arena back in in, in uh, create a true home court advantage. I've experienced it both as a player and as an assistant coach when I was here. I know that if you can if you can get five, six, seven thousand people in that building. Uh, it is an electric atmosphere and it's fun. And we're trying to, to re-engage that with our student body who bring the energy as well as people in this Birmingham community. But I said this, I said, why would you come to a UAB game? What, what is, why are you coming? Unless you're a UAB fan, why are you coming to the game? And, and we talked about what you just hit on and I'm glad you did, you know, number one, the convenience of it and the affordability. And then it's my pledge. It's my uh, chore to make sure that the product is worthy of your time and energy. And that's what we're working on daily, but, but you will never find a more affordable, convenient opportunity than what we provide with UAB basketball. Definitely agree coach. Um, now you've got some really good matchups, um, you know, other than what we just hit on to start the season, but later on the season, you've got your uh, buddy, uh, coach Huggins coming into town to the BJCC. Uh, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, you know, we we're trying, and 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 we were really close to pulling off a couple of of, of other big name opportunities. And it just a lot of times in, in basketball scheduling, unlike football, football so far down the road, basketball's mm-hmm. you know typically a year or maybe two. Uh, and, and contractually and date wise, it's so hard when you're trying to figure out, you know, 30 games, for instance, you know, conference USA, obviously we have, we have 18 games. So that gives us an opportunity to, to schedule in our non-league 13 other opportunities. And it's hard to do based on your exam schedules. Cause you know, here we can't play when we have exams based on, you know, uh, all the other factors that we right. have, you have to give them four days around Christmas. You run out of days. We actually play five games in the first 12 days of the season, which is a lot in mm-hmm. order to get our games in. So um, we, we've got uh, opportunities. I'm, I'm playing a, a dear friend of mine, Frank Martin, at South Carolina. We're doing a home-and-home. Home. We're going to Columbia in game four this year, and, and South Carolina's returning the game the following year. It's the same situation we have with, with Hugs at West Virginia. We're playing downtown in the newly renovated Legacy Arena, and then we're going to return the game to Morgantown. We're going to try to play downtown in Legacy uh, every year, and, and I'm going to try to use it to bring in a quality opponent. Uh, many people would be willing to play us. Not as many people are willing to play us in Bartow. So it's another yeah. opportunity for me to get in Power 5 competition. We go to Las Vegas and play on Thanksgiving Day on uh, on Fox Sports 1, a national TV opportunity against the New Mexico team. And if we're fortunate enough to get through that game, the other side of the bracket, 
uh, San Francisco will probably come out of it. And as many mm-hmm. people have been ranking us from anywhere from 50 to 80, San Francisco is also in that range uh, right behind Gonzaga and BYU. They're expected to be an NCAA tournament quality team out of the West Coast Conference. Um, so, you know, we've tried to as best we could um, under the time restraints that we've had of, of, of really focusing on our non-conference schedule, putting us in a position where conference basketball has relevance, where our ultimate goal is to be playing meaningful basketball in the month of March. No doubt. And I think that, you you know, you guys did a great job with the schedule, you know, also not to mention having to travel to St. Louis to take on an old conference USA team, St. Louis Billikens. So that's right. And, and, and the week and and the, and the game prior to that, we play East Tennessee state. We did a home and home with them when Steve Forbes, who took the Wake Forest job, friend of ours, we we did a home and home. We went to their place last year, won a close contest. They returned for their top five starters and their group again, that's predicted to be right at the top of, of the Southern Conference, which they have been, uh, you know, consistently over the last decade. So we've got that. Then we go to St. Louis, um, an A-10 opponent that is storied in in basketball. We used to have great rivalries with them uh, back in back in my day, even when in the old Great Midwest days. So uh, uh, our schedule is going to be one and is going to be challenging but rewarding at the same time. And I think it'll give us a great feel as to who we are leading into CUSA play. No doubt. And coach, I know you got to run, but I just got two quick questions. Uh, the first one, uh, does Quan Jackson really eat ice cream before each game? <laughs> no, not, not in front of me. Not, that's the first time I'd heard that. That's the first time I'd heard that as well. I guess he does. You know, it's crazy. It, it's ironic when I was, when I was playing my first year. So you got to remember, I, I, I played for Jim Balvano, the late great Jimmy V at NC state. And then I transferred, sat out a year and then played three years for coach Bartow. In um, my first year of eligibility, uh, my roommate on the road was a guy named Reginald Turner, Sir Slam, right from from right up the road in Bessemer, and he was a great player, one of the best mid post scores in the history of UAB basketball. His senior year, which was my sophomore year, I think he got around 18, 19 a game. He was really, really good in that 18 foot range, uh, and and be. And on pregame meals, I, I remember he would sit in our room and eat potato chips and ice cream sandwiches. And and he was a first team all league player. So hey man, I if Quan, <laughs> if, Quan, if Quan needs some ice cream, hey, I'm I'm all for it. Hey, me too. Hey, if, if he's been doing that, you know, all last year and before the exhibition, hey, I'm all for him doing that every game. Um, right. last question, coach. Do we know what uh outfit we're rocking for the first game Tuesday night? Do you already have that picked up? No, you know what? I'm a little bit in a quandary, man, because because I have never been a big believer in the whole. Why are we wearing suits and ties? <laughs> it makes no sense. And then right. last year, obviously, you know, we didn't do that because of the COVID and everybody, you know, uh, dumbed it down, so to speak. And a lot of people are staying in that mode. And and personally, I'm a little torn because I I I, I do have some stuff that I like. I probably. You know, I, I, the whole suit tie thing, I think that may be uh, gone uh, yeah. forever. I know a lot of coaches don't want to bring it back. I may I may have some sport coats in my in my closet that I'll bust out. Uh, I got some red bottoms that I like to wear. Uh, you know, what what does Dion say? Hey, man, look good, feel good, feel good, <laughs> play go. good. Well, I can't play, but maybe, <laughs> maybe if I feel good, I'll coach better. There you go. Hey, well, it's just another reason for everybody to come out to Bartow, you know, next week and uh, – See, see what coach, you know, decides to wear and, you know, help cheer on the team. Well, so. I hope I hope they come. I, I hope that 
they'll come and give this team an opportunity. I, I, the group's got a great spirit. They've worked extremely hard. Yes. Uh, I think they got a chance to do something really special. I'm a, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we, you, you, you started this out by talking about Sam Miller and a great job he did with the, with the, with the infomercials, kind of like what I want to, it's almost like a movie trailer <laughs> teaser. Yes. Um, and, and, and so now that, now that's out there, now the movie's got to live up to its billing and, and we're working daily towards that. Give us a chance. I, I think you'll like what you see. Yes. Well, we'll certainly be out there coach. And thanks again for, you know, taking some time and coming on the blazer victory podcast. Uh, we really appreciate you coming on and look forward to hopefully doing this again sometime. Absolutely. Anytime, John, it's my pleasure, man. Go blazers. Go blazers.